0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up everyone and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host Will McFadden. It is officially draft day. The Falcons will be on the clock at pick number eight, barring any trades, which we covered in Tuesday's episode. So please go back and check that one out if you have not. But today, I will be giving you my final prediction for what the Falcons will be doing with the number eight, number eight pick as it stands right now. Um, before we get into my final prediction, will be which will be at the end of today's episode, I want to touch on um, some of the comments that Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot made uh, Wednesday, or rather that Tuesday, uh, during their pre-draft press conference, where they didn't really say much of anything um, because they're kind of not supposed to. That's part of the job is not to really give any tangible information during something like this, this close to a uh, organization-defining event. Um, But they did get into something that I found very interesting, and that is essentially. You know, what all goes into defining best player available and kind of how they go about this process of choosing, you know, between players that may seem very, very similar on the surface and may kind of fill um, the same type of niche in their mind. And so that was really interesting. I kind of am connecting some dots here, but I'll break down all of my thought process to you. Just know that's not, you know, coming from the team. This is me taking what they said in response to various different answers and then kind of reading between the lines, connecting some dots. So we'll get into all of that um, first. And then in the back half, I'm going to segue that into kind of my final prediction. So hopefully my goal is to paint a nice, big, beautiful picture of what the Falcons might be thinking, um, not just in the first round, but the entirety of their approach to the draft. And then ultimately what that could mean for that number eight overall pick. So that is what we've got on tap for you guys today. Please, if you've enjoyed our podcast content and you're looking to find us elsewhere, you can find us on YouTube now. It is at the uh, Believe in Falcons YouTube channel. Currently, we're just loading the videos of our podcast up, but I'm hoping to grow the channel and figure out some really cool, interesting, different ways to use it to maybe differentiate our video and audio content. But right now, learning on the fly. Honestly, I'm just really excited that uh, Wednesday's show featured a little bit of thumbnail artwork from you guys. So. Uh, we'll, we'll just keep growing slowly, but surely one step at a time, um, like my four month old child. Uh, so <laughs> that is where we are at. We are learning all the way around in the McFadden household. Um, so before we get into a little bit of draft talk, that is your number one source for all the basketball info, stats, news, and scores that you need. Get the latest odds and lines, including player reports for this year's NBA playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, and they've got you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, Major League Baseball, the NHL, and right on down to UFC and boxing. You can find it all over at BetOnline. It has the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options, your favorite casino and card games, which you can play right from your home. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online, where the game starts. All right, so let's talk a little bit about what Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith had to say during their pre-draft press conference on Tuesday. Mostly Terry Fontenot's uh, comments, because that's the glory of draft time <laughs> is that the general manager is the one that usually has to answer a lot of the questions. And although we hear from Arthur Smith throughout the entire of div- of the season uh, and training camp. And, you know, he has to do a lot of speaking. Uh, and, you know, I don't think he's the most verbose guy in the world. Um, he got to sit back and just kind of throw in some one-liners there. So I'm sure he really in- enjoyed that. But as I mentioned up at the top, the main thing I want to discuss is just how do they go about calculating best player available, right? Like is it, is it just best? What does best mean? That's so subjective. At various points, best could mean, all right, what is the most overall talented player that we think is is available right now? Well, if you're the Carolina Panthers, that's kind of the question you're trying to answer. Is it just literally who is the best player left on the board? Okay, well, are you taking position completely out of it? Is positional value a factor in all of this? What if you have three really good players at that position already? So there is no true just like best player available. Uh, I mean, I guess there's a purist out there that is truly just like, nope, this guard is better than anybody else here. So we're, we're taking, you know, like I'm sure there are people out there that, that think that that should just be the philosophy. But as with everything, there's a lot more nuance to this. There's a lot of gray areas. There are contradictions. There are things that pop up along the way that you didn't necessarily plan for and you got to adjust. And that is what, frankly, the last two weeks have really been about for a lot of these NFL teams is contingency plans, scenarios, just different role playing. All right, we're going to, We're going to figure out what would happen if this happens. All right. What happens if the Titans call and they offer us X, Y, and Z? They're prepared so that in the moment, they don't have to make these kind of spur of the moment decisions that are not well thought out. It's a lot like in-game decision making. They practice all throughout the week in the lead up to Sunday. Well, they're doing the same thing for the draft. They're practicing all throughout the week in the lead up to Thursday. Um, so the first key thing that I think Terry Fontenot said when it came to just their approach to the draft and ordering players and things like that is that players are grouped into categories. Um, he didn't go into specifics about what those categories are, but you know, maybe it's, it's like a blue chip or a red chip player coming out of high school. right? You generally have your, your top 50 or maybe your blue chip guys and your top, the rest of the, your top 50 or the 100 after that are your red chip guys. Um, so that could be a grouping. Now, there could be, or, uh, you know, a category and players are grouped within that category. Um, it's unclear how many guys, uh, how many categories a single guy can belong to, um, whether or not they refine all of that down. They didn't go into specifics, nor should they, again, because they're competing against 31 other teams. But you can have multiple players in a group. And a way that I like to think about this, or at least the personal way that I have experienced something like this, is if you play fantasy football the way that I like to go about uh, a fantasy draft is instead of having literally my players ranked one through 150, which is insane. um, I just put them in tiers. And let's say I've got a, a group of receivers, you know, for receivers, running backs, tight ends, quarterbacks, whatever. And I've got three quarterbacks in my first tier. And these are guys, you know, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Usually it's another running quarterback. So like Justin Fields, if if let's see, he turns into that type of player, Lamar Jackson, right? He's probably a better example. Um, those would be my tier one quarterbacks. Now, I know that those are probably going to be the top three in any order on a lot of people's lists. So that means they're probably the priority for a lot of guys. Now, whether or not I have Josh Allen as my true priority or Lamar Jackson I don't necessarily need to figure that out at this moment. Yes, I probably know my true preference, but it's these are three guys who are looped or lumped together in this category for whatever reason. And generally, that's going to be because they're capable of immense week to week production at the quarterback position in fantasy because of their rushing production. So that is one example of how I group them together. Now, wide receiver, let's say you've got much bigger. Uh categories of players. And and in a category, there's 16 players and they're my tier five receivers. And these guys could go anywhere from the fifth round to the end of the sixth round. I'm going to kind of be looking at that and say, all right, how many of my tier five receivers do I have left? How many of my tier four running backs do I have left? You know, and then you start comparing them positionally. And that is kind of what I think they're they're looking at here is, is it's a way to lump together players for quick reference, knowing and dissecting then inside of these categories, how do we like them and and layer them that way? But when they say best player available, and this is a quote from Terry Fontenot, when we say best player available, the key is don't reach for a need. So I think we get a little hung up on on the word best. And really, it's just a reminder to say, hey, need doesn't trump everything. We don't want to just take, you know, the, the sixth best running back maybe around early Purely because you know the other three running backs who are higher on our board just went one, two, three. So now we're gonna panic and we're gonna say, "Well, we really needed a running back. We were planning on taking running backs. So now we're gonna take the next best guy, who probably deserves to go around and a half later." That's the goal here: is not just to put a need above talent. You want to add talent first and foremost, and if it ends up addressing a need, that's awesome and that's a factor. But it's just not the factor. That's kind of what best player available means. So. The other thing is each decision impacts the next and and that is something that you know trades are not totally made in a vacuum. what Terry was Terry Fonda was saying was that essentially when you make a trader or you take a player, they take a player at eight and let's say it is Bijan Robinson, all right let's say they take Bijan Robinson at number eight. Now, all of a sudden, if they had Jameer Gibbs kind of pretty high up their overall board of of talented players, and maybe they weren't comfortable with taking Bijan in the first round, but, you know, they felt better about Jameer Gibbs, but the way that everything fell, all right, that changed. We're taking Bijan. Maybe they moved back or whatever. All of a sudden, you know, do do you take a running back in that second round? And this is a little bit reductive because it's obviously you wouldn't do something like that, but it is. I think, uh, a lesson in just how these are all interconnected choices. And that is why best player available is not totally absolute. That you do still have to take positional need into account because as you're building your draft, like a fantasy draft, you're not just going to take seven wide receivers. You've got to build out the entirety of your roster. So one decision impacts the next, but that also is true with trades, right? So if we're going to move back five spots, what are we going to get in return? What type of player are we still going to land? And then, all right, we've moved back. Back. Let's look at the remainder of our picks. Is there a place we can move up and we can recoup this value or we can make a little inroad and get even more value on this back end? That is what Terry Fonda was kind of getting at is that everything is interconnected. What he said was, you know, if we see a player that we want, we want to try to figure out a way to get him. And each pick, whether we were talking about the first pick or the pick in the third round, it's going to affect that next move. What are the resources that we have, the type of ammo we can play with? Who are the guys that we want? And then it goes from there and, and you kind of wheel and deal and you figure out, okay, well, if we do this, then how does that impact this next? And sometimes that impacts the type of player and type of categories that you're looking at. Okay, well, if we're giving, getting rid of our two fourth round picks, well, all of a sudden, what are we taking away? Potentially special teams help. So, do we feel value is great enough earned elsewhere that we're okay with losing to potentially quality special teams players moving forward? These are all parts of the discussions that are happening. The next point, and it kind of touches back a little bit on that how do you define the BPA, is the key is not to reach to fill a need, not to avoid addressing a need. And the quote that I kind of singled out here from Terry Fontenot uh, for this point is now you're in the fourth round, and depending on what you've done, Now you have these particular players in this category and it's the same category. So you've got five players in the same category, but you can go a different way, maybe in the order of those players than you would before because of what you've done. And I know I kind of butchered, that's not a direct quote. I started kind of editorializing there right in the middle of, of doing a real quote, but basically you can go a different way because of what you've done before. So if you've got that tier five of wide receivers that I'm talking about, let's say maybe they added a big physical red zone threat. And at the top of tier five, I've got, again, he wouldn't be in tier five, but Mike Evans, big physical red zone threat. Well, now my needs have changed. Now, all of a sudden, Tyreek Hill may move to the top of, of that ranking because I'm looking for a different body because of what I've already acquired. So you start to see how best player available does evolve sometimes to match What are you needing in that moment? Or what are you preferring in that moment? Maybe need is too strong of a word. Maybe collectively, as a society, we need to not use uh, such harsh terms. I'm totally kidding uh, right there. We can continue to use the word need. It's not going to be canceled, everybody. Good news. Please rejoice. Finally, roles can matter just as as much as positions. And kind of alluding to what I was just saying about the fourth round and what you're going to be giving up. When the Falcons are building their draft board, I do believe that they factor in roles probably just as much as, as positions. Now, obviously, you need guys who can play certain positions, but the Falcons talk all the time about positionless football. What they really want are players that they can clearly envision a role for in a way that they can impact the team. Now, they, that may not be fully realized in year one. And... Avery Williams and Tyler Algier were brought up as specific examples of these late round players who have emerged as contributors moving forward. Avery Williams, when he was drafted, was kind of viewed first and foremost as having a, a role on special teams. Obviously, he's a quality returner. They wanted to maybe see how else he could fare on these other special teams, but that was really going to be how he earned his roster spot on game days as a rookie. And then they were going to figure out where he can go from there. So when they draft somebody with a role in mind, it may not be that role day one that they have in mind. They may say, okay, in, in two years, here's where we expect him to be. And it can be as a very strong quality starter and a contributor for our team. He's not there yet, but what can he do for us now? And that is what, where Avery Williams and Tyler Algier both could help in special teams in the short term. So Williams as a returner has kind of cemented himself as one of the best punt returners. Last year, by average, he was the best punt returner in the league, but also a solid weapon on on kick return. But here's kind of the key and and what I think they're, what speaks well to their philosophy is that you never know what's going to happen. Your plans change. And if you're only planning things for the short term, the day-to-day, the week-to-week, the month-to-month, instead of the year-to-year, you get into trouble. Avery Williams was drafted as a cornerback. They flipped him over to running back in year two in training camp. And now he's kind of a little bit of a gadget weapon, receiving back on offense, but he's still a mean contributor on special teams. So getting players like this, where you do have a clear defined usage for them in mind, allows you to kind of figure it out as you go along, figure all the rest out. But you get those good players and at least they can help you in the short term. So I do think that roles, especially as you get into the back end of day two and into day three, how do these guys help us immediately? But also, how can they grow? And is this a very small role that we've got them in right now? And is that kind of, are we just going to keep them in that small role forever? Cause maybe that's not the guy we want to draft, but is this a guy who can fill a small role for us now with the upside to slowly and meticulously grow that role, get it a little bit bigger. And then they develop into the player that you expect while gaining the confidence, seeing the fruits of their labor kind of come to fruition and, and reap their rewards by getting more playing time, by Having that um, investment kind of return twofold on them. And now they're getting to see what they ultimately want to have happen as well. And I think that is where you really do build a strong culture. You develop through the draft. Um, and it starts with the plan that they're developing right now and knowing exactly who you want and why. Um, but when we say it's just best player available, there's so, so, so much more to it than just, hey, all right, he's the fifth guy on the board, he's the sixth guy on the board, we're going with number five even though when we talk about needs, that is what I think a lot of people attribute the nuance to. Um, But no, best player available is very, very nuanced. The draft boards can get very complicated. I like the fact that the Falcons kind of group it by different categories because it makes me think that, yeah, it's not just, all right, we're looking at this left guard and comparing him over here to this defensive tackle and comparing him to this safety and comparing him to this big nickel. Like, they know what exactly they want, whether or not that's a safety that can fill it, a linebacker that can fill it, um, a, a bigger corner that can fill it. Doesn't really matter. I think they're looking more for for the specific roles, for the traits, um, and that will all cumulatively form that score, which is then, I think, how they factor in all of the best player available. So that is a long lead-in to ultimately why you are all here today, um, which is my final prediction for the number eight pick. But I think that that all informs why it's so hard to make or to kind of land on who I think the Falcons are going to take in number eight. And candidly, this is as hard of a, a time as I have had in trying to figure out who the Falcons could, could take in the first round partially because I think they could trade, but I am skeptical about their freedom and flexibility and being able to do that solely because I don't know how many teams are going to be like chomping at the bit to trade up into the top 10 unless the quarterbacks kind of fall in the right way. But honestly, if they do, that might tell us a little bit about what the NFL teams think about this crop of quarterbacks. So that is one factor that makes it really hard. The other is I like a lot of these guys that are available. Like I like a lot of the options and I think it's a little bit of a pick your poison. And I could see a lot of these players being grouped together in that same category that Terry Fontenot was talking about. And just look, you know, maybe, maybe there's not that, that True, true 1A, Andrew Luck, Miles Garrett, that type of prospect, Calvin Johnson type of prospect in this draft. But there's a lot of players who I think could develop into pro bowlers for multiple years, potentially a decade. And I'd like to have one of those guys on my team. Um, So I've bounced around between a lot of the names that you've heard. You know, Tyree Wilson, I think that he would be a, a really good fit for what the Falcons are building here on this defensive line with his inside-outside versatility. His length is insane. He plays the run really well. I think he's competitive as hell. You look at somebody like Bijan Robinson, who is extremely explosive, would be really fun to watch on offense. Imagine what he could do in Arthur Smith's scheme with the run game. I think he could work on the field with Tyler Algier. This team would just be big, physical, fast. Like, yes, again, sign me up. Peter Skaranski would just kind of be a ho-hum pick, but I think would pay huge dividends because you'd continue to invest in the offensive line. And as I said all last year, the engine of this run game is not in the back with the running backs. It's in the front with the offensive line. So you'd continue to feed that engine. That would make a lot of sense. Nolan Smith, linebacker out of Georgia, is getting a lot of mock draft love to the Falcons recently. I think from a character perspective, from a captain perspective of your team, A-plus across the board. Nolan Smith would be a perfect fit for what the Falcons are looking for from a culture standpoint. But is the production there? He's a little bit smaller. Will he hold up in the NFL? I like a lot of these things about a lot of these players, but there's also some negatives. So that's what makes it really, really hard to decide between any of them. But I had to decide, and my choice for who the Falcons are going to take in number eight tonight is Devin Witherspoon, cornerback out of Illinois. Uh, The more that I've thought about it, I think that they have shown that the secondary matters to them a lot. They've invested heavily in the secondary this offseason, be it through trades like Jeff Okuda um, or Mike Hughes or free agency signing Jesse Bates with Casey Hayward no longer gone. That hurts some of the depth, or no longer here. He could potentially come back again, a failed physical. I don't want to see what happens with that. But the depth takes a little bit of a hit. I think that certainly does not prohibit you from drafting a top corner by by bringing in Jeff Okuda. This is a, a group that needs depth just as much as it needs starting in talent. And the Falcons have said they are not afraid to add talent on top of talent. Jeff Okuda has not done enough in this league to to warrant just being the clear front running starter from day one. So I think that cornerback is absolutely on the table. And in Witherspoon, you're getting a really, really strong competitor. One of the most competitive players, I think, in this draft, in fact, here's a quote from Lovey Smith, uh, mentioned in Dane Brugler's massive and appropriately named uh, draft report called "The Beast," uh, which you can find on the Athletic if you're a subscriber. But the quote from Lovey Smith, probably the toughest guy on the team, pound for pound, no one competes harder than him. That is about Devin Witherspoon. And you look at Ryan Nielsen, where he comes from in New Orleans. He didn't have a hand in the secondary, but a lot of their secondary players are these chirping high energy. We're going to hit you hard in the mouth and let you know about it. And then we're going to get our fans hype. We're going to pick off the pass and run to the zone, And then we're going to all do that damn frustrating little pose thing. Gets under my skin every time. But that is the point. I think the Falcons need a player like that who is going to really, really be the juice on the back end. He's a good tackler. And the Falcons really need that in the secondary to kind of add with Jesse Bates. They can kind of overhaul. I think their tackling reliability in the secondary by adding a player like Witherspoon. He is a little bit of a ball hawk. He's a gambler. He's grabby at the top a little bit too much for my liking, but that can be coached out of him. He's got scheme versatility. And most importantly, he can move inside and outside. He can move inside of the nickel. He can move outside and cover your bigger wide receivers I think that the Falcons, if they can add a little bit more weight to his frame, he could fill that big nickel role because he's got almost a safety's mentality and size, but a cornerback skill set, which is awesome. So I know a lot of people like Christian Gonzalez because he's fleet footed. He's very smooth. He's looks like a pure cover corner. But I just think Witherspoon has this dog to him that I, I would like to see the Falcons add to this defense, not to say that they don't have some guys with an edge to them. But I'd like to see somebody in the secondary who really play in and play out has that fire. And so for that reason, Devon Witherspoon is my pick here. I I think the Falcons value the secondary. And in one offseason, you can turn the secondary from a relative weakness into on paper, one of the better units in the entire league. I'll call that a good offseason. <laughs> you know, like, if you had told me that that was going to be the case, um, Four months ago, I probably would be like, yep, sure. I'll take that. Let's do it. Um, so they can accomplish that. I wonder if Witherspoon will still be there. And that is part of what I was getting at, is why it's so hard to make this particular choice. Is any of the guys that I mentioned, Tyree Wilson, probably not Bijan Robinson, um, you know, but Christian Gonzalez, any of those guys can be drafted before number eight. Right. Like that's the beauty of this event. And it's what I uh, talked about for so long in the open is is just how these contingency plans are all needed because things when the live bullets start flying, it gets really crazy on draft night. But we are just hours away from it actually uh, getting underway. And I could not be more excited for whoever the Falcons draft. Um, It's going to be a welcome addition to a team that is, you know, I hate saying this because every year the team that wins the off season, you know, doesn't actually win during the season Cough, Jags cough forever Jags. Um, but I love what the Falcons have done this off season. So I'm really excited to see what they continue to do in the draft. I think it'll only be good things. Um, but regardless of what happens, you will hear again from me tonight, right after the pick is made. I'm going to do a quick rapid reaction, going to test out doing it as a live stream. Never done that before. So, uh, Fingers crossed, um, but I'll get something up to you guys very quickly. In the very least, in an audio format. Um, so be on the lookout on the podcast feeds for that. And then Friday morning, Ovi and I will be hopping on uh, later tonight, once final round is over, to recap kind of everything that's happened, who the Falcons picked, how it impacts the team, where they might go after the first round, um, and what remains ahead of them. So that is all coming up ahead of y'all. But first, we're gonna have the NFL draft. So kick back. Enjoy it. The Falcons are, you know, going to make a big pick for the future of their franchise, but I like what they've done so far and I, I can't wait to see who it is. Uh, so that will do it for today's show. Thank you guys so much as always for listening. It was presented by Bet online, share the word, spread the word. If you can, um, let them know that they can find us on their preferred podcast platform. Just search, believe in Falcons, check out our believe in Falcons YouTube channel. You can follow me. Will McFadden on Twitter at Will McFadden, uh, Honestly, it's, it's 2023. You can just Google my name and all of my social channels will probably pull up. Um, so yeah, that's the easiest way to find me. But thank you guys again so, so much for listening. It really means the world to me. A lot of uh, blood, sweat and tears has been poured into this podcast and now this YouTube channel. So thank you guys so, so much. Um, but that's it for me today. We'll see you guys on the flip side of the draft. Until then, everyone, take care.